If you are pregnant or you've recently had a baby, this podcast is for you. I am your host, Kath Bequee, a physiotherapist working in women's health and mum of three. Join me each week as we dive into all things pregnancy care, childbirth and postnatal recovery, helping you have a wonderful pregnancy and afterbirth experience. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Well, hello there. It's great to have you here for another episode of the Fitness Mama podcast. In this episode today, I am fortunate to be talking to obstetrician and gynecologist Dr. Kieran Wilson all about vaginal birth after a cesarean section, which is also known as VBAC. So Dr. Kieran Wilson is an obstetrician and gynecologist based in Sydney, Australia, and after completing his medical studies, he has trained and worked in various hospitals in Sydney before spending time gaining further specialty experience overseas. Dr. Kieran Wilson now dedicates his time to offering the best possible level of care to women in his private obstetrics and gynecology practice with consulting rooms in both the Mata and on Bridge Street in Sydney CBD. So in this episode, we are talking about what is a vaginal birth after cesarean? So what is a VBAC? We talk about why some women opt for a VBAC and when a VBAC might not be possible. So in what scenarios might it not be possible? And then we run through the risks and the benefits of a VBAC. And Dr. Kieran Wilson talks about how successful they are generally and also has some tips for women who are wishing to consider this. So I trust you're going to find it a really valuable episode and you'll feel more empowered and confident in this decision for you to then have a further chat with your healthcare provider about whether or not this might be an option for you. So before we dive into this episode, I do invite you to the free pregnancy workshop that is available and this is all about preparing your pelvic floor for birth and beyond. So in this Pregnancy Workshop, we discuss ways to help prepare your pelvic floor for birth and beyond, and that includes things like perineal massage, and we also talk about how to boost your afterbirth recovery in those early days and weeks postpartum. So if you are pregnant, do check it out. Just head to fitnessmama.com forward slash free. That's F-I-T-N-E-S-T-M-A-M-A dot com forward slash free. Right. Let's get into this episode with Dr. Kieran Wilson, all about VBAC. So thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast, Dr. Kieran Wilson. I really do appreciate having this opportunity to chat all things VBAC. Thank you very much. I'm always happy to help out ladies who are pregnant or planning a pregnancy in the future and discuss any topics that come up from time to time. Absolutely. It's great to have this opportunity to chat. So can you please just define what is a VBAC? Let's just go straight to basics so we're all on the same page. Sure. So um, like what VBAC stands for is vaginal birth after cesarean. So that means that the woman has had one of her babies delivered by cesarean in the past and on subsequent pregnancy, then she's very interested in having a normal birth for the next baby. And why do some women want to have a VBAC? Why do some women opt for this? It's quite personal, really. So some women have always thought that they would like to, to have a normal birth. It's something that they've thought about over many years often, and they will just decide that's the way that they you know, want to have their baby. You know, they're fully aware that there's always the option for cesarean, but it's one of those experiences that they want to have. 
And that often motivates the majority of women who I've seen to go down that path. And that's where we sort of start from there, yeah. And do you find it's generally women who've had an emergency cesarean birth in the past? Oh, about half and half, really. Like, for example, their first baby may have been a breach in presentation, which has like, led to the, the elective cesarean, or they've been overseas and in other countries and, and had their baby there by cesarean. But because we always bring it up about how women would like to have had their baby and if they've had a cesarean before, then we always talk about VBAC. And so there's those other women who decide that they would like to have a normal birth that way. Yeah, so it's not always like an emergency situation that leads to a VBAC. It's about 30% of cesareans happen under emergency conditions and those other ones are like elective procedures for, for various different reasons. Amazing. So I would love to chat about, I guess, uh, the pros and the cons. So what are the benefits? What are the risks of VBAC? But before we do get into that, when might a VBAC not be possible? So are there any situations where a woman might find it's just not a possible scenario? Of course, yeah. So the big one would be if the previous cesarean has been what's called the classical cesarean, and that means that the incision on the uterus is a vertical incision. It's not sideways or transverse. And so if that's happened, then you know we can't offer a VBAC in that situation. And sometimes we see a, like a classical cesarean being done for if the baby was preterm, like, like 25 weeks or like, like 26 weeks, if there's been a reason to deliver the baby that early, sometimes we have to make that kind of incision. And that would mean that every other pregnancy needs to be delivered by a cesarean after that's happened. So that's the big one. And then if a woman has had like two cesareans in the past, then it's much safer to, to, to continue having cesareans after that. But if they've only had one cesarean before, then yes, the VBAC is very impossible. But after two cesareans, no, the risks are increasing then of complications. We would stay away from that. And what complications might they include? So the big one that we worry about is like uterine rupture. And that's you know, when the old scar opens before the baby's been born. And that happens because of the contractions that are happening. And it puts pressure on that scar and, and it can open. And that's called a uterine rupture. If that happens, then you know, the baby can become acutely distressed. The mother can lose a lot of blood very quickly. And that will lead to an emergency cesarean section under emergency conditions, meaning a general anaesthetic straight away because we need to manage that situation very, very quickly. And do you know any stats or ha- what are the chances of a uterine rupture occurring in a VBAC after one previous caesarean versus two? So we go by the Royal Australian College of Obstetrician Gynecologists. They have a very nice guideline which outlines the risks. We normally quote somewhere between about five to seven per thousand VBACs will have a rupture. So that's very low, even in like medical terms, that's a very low risk. And that's why we offer it. Okay, so that's after one caesarean. Yeah. And then after two, it's a bit harder to sort of quantify because you know, it hasn't really been studied that well. It would be like a very difficult study to undertake to get good numbers on that, but it would be a lot higher. You know, it would be, but we can't give an, an exact figure like after one because it just hasn't been studied properly. Have you done many VBACs after two cesareans? A couple, yeah, because it's always the, you know, the woman's choice. Like everybody has the right to their own healthcare and the way that they would like things to be done. And I have seen that happen, especially when I worked in the UK. There were women there who had a vaginal delivery after after two previous cesareans, and it went well. But those women were just very highly motivated to try and you know, had extensive like discussions about the risks and what would happen if we 
but detected any complications and when we would, would need to stop. Is there anything that a woman can do to help improve her chances of a successful VBAC? There's a couple of things that they could do. So you could have the baby around the due date and not go too far over. You might do your best if possible to make sure that the baby's not too big. And then when you're in labour having a VBAC, you want to be moving around in the positions to help the baby come down and, and help those contractions uh, happen to have, have that birth. But like during the pregnancy itself, like it's very difficult to do things that can increase your chance of having a successful vaginal birth after season, mainly because like the antenatal care and then the labour itself are two very different things. Although we do do lots of things antenatally to help women have a normal birth, for a VBAC, there's not a lot that people can do. You can only really sort of try on the day and then see how things go and be in that sort of like constant monitoring and assessing environment just to make sure that everything's progressing well and being safe. Okay, so going back, did you feel you discussed all the risks? So we talked about uterine rupture. Were there any other risks you wanted to mention associated with VBAC? That's the main one of, of having a VBAC. So uterine rupture, blood loss, you know, the risk of emergency surgery under emergency conditions. And then there's also the risk of the baby as well, that, you know, if in the event there was a complication, that could affect the baby. And, you know, like sometimes a baby would need to go to the special care nursery if it had breathing difficulties or if it had lost any blood during the delivery. That They're the main ones that we would definitely discuss and bring up at various different points during the pregnancy itself. Yeah, okay. And so with those risks, is there any extra monitoring that might occur with a woman who's having a VBAC versus another woman who's giving birth at the same time? So the big one, every hospital in Australia has a policy on how to care for a woman who's having a vaginal birth after it's either in labour. So the big one is having continuous fetal monitoring. So that's the CTG machine. And they're those two probes that sit on the mother's tummy and they, they monitor the baby's heart rate and they also check the contractions. So it's good these days because they're often ones that are cordless, so they're a bit like sort of Wi-Fi really, and they allow the women to walk around inside the labour rooms. So they're, they're still mobile as well. But we also need to have like a cannula, like, like a drip in, so we have IV access if there is an emergency situation. And then we need to make sure that the, that the labour is progressing well. So that means that there will be examinations of the cervix to make sure that it's opening and that the woman is progressing in labour as we would expect. You know, we would like to see the cervix opening at about one centimetre per hour. And then when she gets to full dilatation, so, so the cervix being open at 10 centimetres, that she's pushing for, for no more than about one hour because they help to reduce the risk of any complications and the big one being the uterine rupture of course yeah yeah okay that's good to know so we've talked quite a lot about the risks associated with VBAC when it might not be possible let's go into the beautiful benefits now that a woman might experience by having a VBAC and I know these are probably very personal but from your perspective what do you see as any benefits with VBACs? Oh, so you you know avoid all of those emergency situations you avoid major surgery you can walk around while you're having the baby, basically like having a normal birth. There's less pain associated with that, of course. They're the big ones in you know, trying for a normal birth after a season because you, there's just less care that you have to look after. But we do like to keep women in hospital for at least a day or so afterwards because there is, you know, just to make sure that the uterus is contracting back down. And because sometimes those ruptures can occur after the baby comes out as well. So we need to keep a close eye and make sure that's not happening. Yeah, okay. I didn't realize that i just assumed it would all happen during birth so you like to monitor for a couple of extra days yeah yeah it's up to about three 
if that rupture is going to happen, it's normally within the first 24 hours after the baby's come out. So it's best to be in hospital where you can get help if that does happen. And how might a woman know if a rupture's occurred? So the biggest one is going to be the pain. So if you haven't got an epidural in, that there's just going to be like severe pain associated with that rupture. If there is an epidural in, then we can see the baby becoming distressed on that monitoring. And that will alert the doctors and the midwives to the, to the fact that, you know, that this could be a rupture. But then the next big one would be that there's heavy vaginal bleeding and that means that the rupture has opened and, and that the blood is basically coming out. So they're the big early signs that the rupture has started or, in fact, it's a full thickness rupture and that baby needs to be delivered immediately. Now, you mentioned the classical caesarean birth earlier and how if you've had a classical caesarean, then you won't be able to have a VBAC as an option. Did classical caesareans used to be a lot more common than they are now? Uh, yeah, so they were, but that was a long time ago. That would be well over 30, 40 years ago when that was routine and then it became obvious that we don't need to do that for all caesareans and that we can do the lower transverse incision and that's much safer, yeah. You mentioned it has to be a classical if it's a preterm baby, but under the 25 weeks? Yeah. So in a preterm, there's no what we call the lower segment, which is like the lower portion of the uterus. That starts to form anywhere between like 24 to, to like 26 weeks. So if that's not there, then you can't make that incision because it doesn't exist. And the, the only option that you've got is to make a vertical incision on the uterus. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Thanks for clearing that up. Okay, so to wrap this up, do you have any words of wisdom? If there's a pregnant woman listening today and she's thinking, you know, this resonates with me, I'd like to perhaps find out more about this, what information can you impart? What words of wisdom do you have for a pregnant woman listening? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I know we've we've gone into a lot into the risks and when you can't do it, but putting all that aside, you know, we always say that in the right situation that there's up to about like 60 to 80% chance of being successful. So that's why we think that people should try this if they want to. So if they wanted to, you know, always have a chat to their doctor and their midwife. And to do it safely, the, like there's certain things they can do during their pregnancy. So they can do some, some ultrasounds and make sure the baby's not too big. They can have, have the baby around 40 weeks or no more than 41 weeks, and that will improve the chance of success. And then like, just be aware of the, you know, the, the monitoring that the hospital will essentially want like, these women to have. And I think you brought up a great point before. We have talked a lot about the risks and I guess the scary side of the VBACs. But like, as you said, 60 to 80% of them are successful. It sounds like there's a lot of monitoring that occurs during. So the actual risks, would you agree, they're really small for mum and bubs because of all the monitoring that occurs. Yeah, yeah. So we do it very safely, of course. So, you know, at the end of the day, we want healthy mum and healthy baby. And that's why we do all this pre-pregnancy counselling and antenatal care and intrapartum care is absolutely critical to ensure that that safety continues. And that's why we have all those extra monitoring and we want to be on a labour ward in a bigger hospital that has access to operating theatres if we need to. And I would always say to those mums that are interested in doing it, well, think about it and, you know, and if it's something that you want to do, then go for it because lots of women do these days and and we have good data to support that it is safe and you know, under the right conditions and, and the success rate is good, but it is a very individual thing. So, you know, you know, like we've talked about before, you've had two previous seasons or a classical or if the baby's too big or if you've gone over your due dates a bit, 
then it may not be the safest way for you to proceed and that might be an elected Caesar is the way to go. Yeah, great. And as always, this is all general information only. So I'm sure every pregnant woman listening will go and have a chat with their healthcare provider to discuss the pros and cons for their specific situation. And on that note, Dr. Wilson, where can women find you if they want to come and see you perhaps or come and see where you work? Yeah, sure. So I'm based in Sydney and have a very comprehensive website, www.drkieranwilson.com.au. Also got my Instagram page going as well, which is at Dr. Kieran Wilson or one word, which is you know a work in progress, of course. So that's always there. You're new to the Instagram world. How are you finding it? Oh, it's good. Yeah, no, it's good. It's a good option. It's a good way to get information out out, out to people and for people to contact as well. So yeah, there is a post there about VBACs as well, which people can have a look at any time they like. But more than happy to be contacted through the website or through the Instagram if there's any other questions. Yeah, and come and send us a, a message and let us know if you've listened to this podcast episode and what you thought. So thank you so much, Dr. Wilson, for coming on and sharing your thoughts and expertise with us today. Really do appreciate it. That's my pleasure. Okay, we'll chat to you soon. So before I sign off, remember my team and I will be putting together the show notes for this episode with all the links, including how to connect with Dr. Kieran Wilson at fitnessmama.com forward slash podcast. And don't forget to send Dr. Wilson and myself a DM on Instagram. We would love to hear from you. Have a fabulous day, everyone. And I look forward to you joining me soon for another episode of the Fitness Mama podcast. Thanks for listening to the Fitness Mama podcast brought to you by the Fitness Mama freebies found at www.fitnessmama.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave a review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media and tag me at Fitness Mama so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember, an active pregnancy, confident childbirth and strong postnatal recovery is something that you deserve. Remember our disclaimer, materials and contents in this podcast are intended as general information only and shouldn't substitute any medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. I'll see you soon.